First Corinthians chapter 2. Let's turn back to that portion that was read by Tony this morning. <clears throat> we have introduced to us in these few verses here three kinds or classes of people that are mentioned. Sotikos is a Greek word that's used in verse 14. If we had a Greek New Testament, <laughs> you would find that. <clears throat> but the natural man, that's the word natural, sotikos. And it means sensuous man, a sensuous man, a natural man. When you think of a natural man, you think, oh, we're all natural men. <laughs> we're, not, we're not an odd, we're, no, this means an unsaved, an Adamic man. What does it say in Scripture? For as by one man sin entered into the world, that one man is Adam, and death passed upon all men. Natural, unrepentant, unrenewed through the new birth men and women. That uh, Jesus spoke about to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. And so these are unborn again people. Sensuous people, natural people. And these are spoken of in Romans chapter 7. There's a parallel to these three groups of people we find in Romans chapter 7 as Paul preaches and ministers to us from that wonderful book. In chapter 7, verse 7 down to 13, he talks about the natural man. He was talking about himself before he got saved. He said in verse 8, But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin is dead. You don't know about it. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, you might say. For I was alive without the law once, he said, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. When it said, thou shalt not, oh, I want to. <laughs> you know, and that's what happens to us and happens in society. When the law says no, we say yes. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the government law. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. The Old Testament laws, he's talking about, therefore, sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. For when, for then that was then, that which is good made death to me, God forbid. And he goes on there and he talks about the natural man. It doesn't use the word there, but we understand what he's saying. Such a cost. Then there's the next individual that's mentioned the next next class of people back in first corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15 but he that is spiritual judgeth all things yea he himself is judged of no man for who hath known the mind of the lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of christ the second man there is this spiritual man or pneumaticos now <clears throat> If I said to the tradies here today, I'm going to buy you a tool, you can get a battery drill, you can get a, well, a battery impact, <laughs> let's use it that way, a battery impact, or you can get a, a 240 volt one, electric, um, you could get an engine driven one of some sorts, but you could get a pneumatic one too, and this is the same word. A pneumatic tool is one that's driven by air, it's one that's driven by wind. Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, he came as a wind upon them, cloven do fire of doves, as it mentions in that chapter. And this is the spiritual man, the new, pneumatic man. <laughs> I've used pneumatic tools. We, they're, they're wonderful. You know, you can get a six-foot bar on an old rusty bolt and try and undo it that's been out in the dirt and that off the bulldozer and try and usually you break the bolt. You can get eight foot bar. I remember Andrew when he was with us, he said I was going to do all the ground bolts once at, uh, at Alexandra on the farm there and I said we haven't got a pneumatic tool. We've only got by hand. You want to come? I mean he said he volunteered to come. I said good, we'll give you a bar and you can reef on the end of it. <laughs> and he did. 160 bolts each side on the tracks and he was undoing them, then we had to do them all up again. And, um, <clears throat> but it would have been much easier with a, you know, bum, 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 one of those, like a jackhammer thing. <laughs> and and uh, <clears throat> to do those, undo them and do them up. And we have been born by the Spirit of God. The wind has, has it were, come upon us. 
And this is the renewed man, a spirit-filled man, walking in the spirit, full of communion with God. And just over in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, it tells us, instructs us to be spirit-filled in verse 18 of Ephesians 5, and be not drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the spirit. That's a command, be filled with the spirit. Okay, we go to our prayer closet and let's pray that the spirit would fill us. No. You read the word, you obey the word, and guess what? You are filled with the spirit as you walk with the Lord and closer and closer to him. And we are pneumaticos, spiritual people. And Paul spoke about that in Romans chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. And just looking at verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another. Not married to the law, but married to another, the Lord Jesus, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Born from above, <laughs> born again by the Spirit of God, raised from the dead, married to another. That's the pneumaticos, the spiritual, the renewed man. Back in for Corinthians again, chapter two and or chapter three this time. So there's a, such a cost, the pneumaticos, and then the sarcicus. And this one's mentioned in verses one to four. Now, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto Carnal, and that's the word, carnal, fleshly. This is the new man walking after the flesh, remaining a babe in Christ. And that is given in Romans chapter 7, he's spoken about, and verse 14 to the end of the chapter. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am, and the word is there, carnal. I am fleshly. That's not what God wants in our life, but that's what we often are, fleshly, carnal, sold, sold under sin. You say you're sold under something, what is it? You know, you've got a hold of it, that's it, I want that. Well, these, uh, we, uh, as it were, Paul said, sold under sin, for that which I do I allow not, for what I would that do I not, but what I hate that I do. As a Christian, he hated doing, but he was doing it. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. It tells me this is what I'm like. Now then it is no more I that do it, but what? Sin that dwelleth in me. He's talking as a Christian. Can sin dwell in us? Yes. Does God want that? No. Read First John chapter 5 about that. We shouldn't habitually commit sin. We will sin, but we shouldn't habitually commit sin. It's no more I, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh... <laughs> Dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. How to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. And so there Paul is signing, and then he said in verse 21, For then I find a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Do you find that? I want to do good. I plan to do good. I'm, I'm going to do my devotions. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. I'm going to testify. And then crash. <laughs> The old flesh takes over. Sarkikos, carnal. The renewed man walking after the flesh. He's remaining a babe in Jesus Christ. He's saved, he's indwelt. But he's like an unsaved person trying to keep the law in the flesh. He fails dismally. His old nature will not let him enjoy his new life in Christ. Because he's not walking with the Lord and there's no joy of the Spirit. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. And so just going over those again, the natural man, the sensuous man, may be learned, he may be gentle, he may be fascinating, but he's dead in sin. <clears throat> the content of Scripture is hidden from his eyes because he cannot see. What does it say in in First Corinthians, is it chapter 4 and verse, verse 4? <laughs> there, just over from where we are. No, it's chapter 5. I mean, Second Corinthians chapter 4. There. Anyway, he is spiritually discerned. He cannot see 
spiritual things, the natural man. And uh, he can be educated, he can be knowledgeable, he can be a good man, as it were, in the flesh, but he he's not saved. There's the fleshly or carnal Christian we last spoke about there. He's able to comprehend only the simplest truths of Scripture, the milk of the Word. He's always in a tither. He's on, as we say today, if you're into dieting, <laughs> he's on diet light, biblical things. He's on the milk of the Word. He's not into the meat of the Word. And uh, <clears throat> then there's a the spiritual man. He's searching the deep things of God, eating the meat of the word, as Hebrews chapter 5 tells us about. And here again in Hebrews chapter 5, it speaks of these characters. He said in verse 11 of Hebrews 5, Paul, uh, the writer did, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not of, of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He is a babe. Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their ex senses exercised to discern good and evil. They can understand. They compare spiritual things with spiritual things. They're spiritual people. They pray fervently and effectually. They meditate upon the things of God. And, and, and the Lord, through their meditation, brings things to mind. Comparing Scripture with Scripture. You know, when you, when you have a, a, an idea, not an epiphany, when you have an idea of something that's in the Old Testament, as you're reading the New Testament, you know who is bringing that to pass? The Spirit of God. Bringing those things, oh, it was my mind, I thought about it, I studied it. <laughs> I hear you to do that. But the Spirit of God will bring these things to mind when they're needed. <clears throat> so you've got natural, fleshly and spiritual. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, to, we are to examine ourselves whether we're in the faith. Are you a natural man or are you a fleshly Christian <laughs> Or are you a spiritual Christian? And examine yourself. Are the things of God important to you? Do you love to study them? Is coming to church a bore? Is it, is it a, a excitement? Is the height of the, day, the the high day of the week where you come together? Where, as it were, in the Old Testament, the Jews went up to Jerusalem. To worship the Lord. And when Jesus came down with his group from Nazareth when he's only a little boy, they, there was a whole lot of them came. You know, and they're all going home, and then Jesus is missing. He's only 12 years old. But you can imagine the fellowship all the way from Nazareth walking down to Jerusalem. It's, you know, it takes a, what, an hour to drive it, but they were going down to the feast of Israel. And they were worshipping and delighting in the fellowship. And they were spiritually minded people that did. And we ought to delight ourselves to go to the house of the Lord and delight ourselves to be in the word of God instead of the newspaper and the news. You know, the news and the newspaper today for the last whole year has been very depressing, hasn't it? They've got no answer to the problems, but the Christian has. We do have the answer. And we can be excited about the days we live in and not be discouraged about what's going on around us. Uh, examine yourself are you a Christian have you got that desire within you or except ye be reprobate it says there in those verses in that verse 2 Corinthians 15 5 Philippians 2 12 says this wherefore my beloved brethren as ye have always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling Move from being a carnal person like all those, though that church in the wilderness, we could say. Moses' church, 600,000 of them, men plus women and children, all going off in the flesh. Carnal people, almost all of them, not all of them. And he had to put up with that for 40 years, that they behaved themselves like non-Christians when they said they were Christians. What, what would have you done before Moses did it? 
get angry. <laughs> he got angry and he smote the rock and he done himself in from going into the promised land. He got fleshly too, didn't he? <laughs> so he had to he led them but that <clears throat> we need to examine ourselves. We need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Read Romans 7 and the last part of that chapter there where Paul said he had a battle. We have a battle. We have a battle with the old man, the flesh, the sarcos. Yes, but we need to be victorious over that and be spiritually minded people. Well, <clears throat> we consider particularly back in Corinthians chapter 2 and 3, Two kinds of people that Paul had explained. We've looked at that in verse 13 and 14 and down to 16 of chapter 2. Now we look at the next group of people. There's two types of people, saved and unsaved, spiritual and natural in those verses. But now we come to the one we've already mentioned, chapter 3. Paul explains here two kinds of saved people, spiritual, mature, and carnal, immature Christians. And how does a Christian mature or grow up by allowing the spirit of god to teach him as he reads the word what does the immature christian live for he lives for the flesh whose responsibility is it to see that children that you have born in your family grow up it's the parents responsibility isn't it it's the leadership's responsibility, it's God's responsibility, it's particularly the Father's responsibility. And the Father's going to be responsible, our Heavenly Father, to make sure you, as one of his children, grow up. I grow up, you grow up. Has anybody ever had it said to them, just grow up? Yeah. I remember at a camp, the first Christmas, first summer camps we had at Moama, the leader, the speaker, said, you young people just need to grow up, you know. And, hey, if he was around today, he's not. <laughs> he's, on, he's gone. <laughs> but if he was around today and saw the young people and their behaviour, he would probably say, you need to get saved. <laughs> then you need to grow up. <laughs> because it's not good. We've become more fleshly. The church has become that way more and more so as time goes on. And so we have these two sorts of people here. The father is going to make sure that we grow up. No matter what, he's going to bring things in your life and my life to teach us to grow. To teach us to grow. And let's look at some marks of maturity and immaturity as seen in one's appetite and one's attitude one's attractions and one's abilities. This is in verses 1 to 4 of 1 Corinthians 3. Marks of maturity or immaturity are seen in one's appetite, first of all. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, as unto babes in Christ. I have not fed you with milk. Here's the Father's being responsible here, but I have not fed you with, um, sorry, meat, not milk, meat, for it is... For to this time you are not able to bear it. You don't give a child a steak. Can you imagine Eden or Joanne or <laughs> Joanna eating a steak? Not even sucking on a steak would be good. <laughs> but you've got to give them the milk. And he said, I've been, I can't give you the meat. You're not able to bear it. Neither are ye now able. And Paul's talking to these carnal Corinthians. Moses is talking to the carnal Israelis there in the desert. What's their appetite? One's appetite. What he eats and doesn't eat. One's attitude. How he gets along with others. One's attractions. Who he idolizes and worships. His, one's abilities. How he uses or abuses them. There's all spoken of in these, this portion. Um, <clears throat> and children. Fascinating little things, aren't they? <laughs> when, they learn, when they learn to crawl and get around on their own, you put them on the floor. And usually you don't put them on a bench because otherwise they would just go right off the edge. And they don't know that it hurts. It's not the fall, it's the sudden stop at the bottom <laughs> you know, that they hit the floor. But you put them on the floor and they crawl around. What do they do? Get in the middle. What, what? I'm talking about appetite. I'm talking about appetite now. What will they, what will they eat? <laughs> <laughs> 
What's on the floor? Leftovers from last night if you don't vacuum every day. Well, whatever. <laughs> bit of pizza, bit of cheese. But then they go into where the window where you spray the blowfly. And the flies are dead on the floor. And what will they eat? They'll eat the flies. And if you put them out in the yard, they eat the dirt. Grass. Actually, I've got a movie picture of Catherine. She's not here. I can talk about it. She may not be listening. <laughs> she may turn off now. <laughs> but a movie where she was out in the yard and she was <laughs> picking their way, whatever, rose petal, grass, dirt, rock, and they just, that's the appetite. And you know what? A lot of Christians are just like that today. They're taking in things they should not be eating. They're not even getting into the milk. That all the things... When you have poisons in your house, you put them up high so the little ones don't get a hold of them. They look like it looks like a coloured drink, cordial or whatever. Not that they know that. So, what's the difference between milk and meat? The traditional explanation is milk is things easy in the word. Meat are the hard doctrines. Another said the basis of Hebrews 5 that we read earlier, verse 10 to chapter 6, verse 3, the milk represents what Jesus Christ did on earth. I heard someone say that they'll go into a church where every weekend it seemed the sermon was on the prodigal son. The prodigal son and the prodigal son. It's, you know, he, needed to, he needed to change and study himself to feed the people, but he was feeding them milk. Meat represents what Christ is doing now in heaven and all the doctrines that come from the gospel. The uh, preaching of the truth of God's word. The word of God is our spiritual milk, it says. As newborn babes, that's when you're little, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow, that you might grow, grow up by it. If so, be that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. That gives you an appetite for the deeper things of God. Bread. John 6.35 Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that eateth me shall never, or drinketh me shall never thirst. This is the bread that came down from heaven, the Lord said. He is the bread of life. He is the meat, and we've read that already in Hebrews chapter 5. He is the honey. <laughs> this is found in Psalm 119, verse 103. And we could go on speaking of the things that Christians ought to diet on. We need a balanced diet. We need a balanced spiritual diet. We need a balanced physical diet. If our body is to be healthy, spiritual or physical body is to be healthy, we are, we are to have a balanced diet. If you eat hamburgers all the time, now I'm not saying don't eat hamburgers. I enjoy McDonald's. I enjoy Hungry Jack's. don't enjoy Kentucky as much. Others have got preferences that are different. But if you just eat them, what will you begin to look like? A hamburger. <laughs> eat hamburgers, you'll look like a hamburger. <laughs> they're nice, but they're not good all the time. Now, if you eat only a celery stick, what are you going to look like? A stick figure. <laughs> a celery stick. You know, there needs to be a balance in the physical diet. You know, when you go on a diet, the celery is one thing you can eat all you want off. But I like loading it up with um, peanut butter in the middle. And it wrecks the diet, but anyway, it tastes nice. <laughs> and spiritually speaking... Let's go to the real, this is the, the important part of it. <laughs> what sort of diet are you on spiritually? An immature believer is identified by his diet. He is anemic looking, is often catching the diseases that are prevalent in the spiritual society. Isn't that true? <laughs> See, if you're not eating the right and balanced diet, physically, you're going to get sick. You're going to get sick. That's just the law of nature, as it were. The Lord said, yeah, I like what the Lord said, you know. Uh, Paul said through, or the Lord said through Paul and others in the, in the book of Acts, you can eat anything, but not the blood. 
And that goes for a lot of things. And a lot of things I wouldn't eat anyway <laughs> because, you know, they're slimy. It, it's amazing how city people eat things if they only knew where they come from, they wouldn't eat. I remember getting the mussels out of the creek at, uh, on the farm. We didn't eat them, we just smashed them up. I don't know, we played with them and made them open and closed and things like that. But you eat those things that slime around on the bottom of the ocean? Called, what do they call them? I don't... Oysters. Oysters, thank you. (laughs) You can like them if you want. You can eat them if you want. You can give thanks to God for them too. (laughs) But just moderation. I remember the first day we come here to move up from Melbourne to here, Jill and I, we went out to a, a sister and brother-in-law took us to a Chinese restaurant, never been to one before, and I tasted the first prawn I'd had. Oh, that was good, more, more. And you know what I was? Sick all night. <laughs> you know, diet can make you sick. Physical diet, spiritual diet. We're catching... Christians, carnal Christians, are catching false doctrine, heresies, new ideas coming down the sewer of the internet that are feeding you to poison your soul and make you anemic as a Christian. God does not want that. Be careful. (laughs) And before you start looking at it, get your doctrine sorted out and discern what's right and wrong. The child has no discernment when they pick up that blowfly. And so Christians need to be discerning. Your appetite tells us of your maturity or immaturity, your spiritual appetite. This immature one lives on Bible stories, not on Bible doctrine. He likes religious entertainment and not doctrinal enlightenment and edification. There needs to be preaching of the gospel for sure that people get saved. But there needs to be an expansion, an explanation of the implications of the gospel in one's life to make a person grow and mature. There needs to be a 2 Corinthians just across the page in verse 10 says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the, the deep things of God. In Second Peter chapter three, Second Peter chapter three, there it speaks about the deep things which are hard to be understood. Peter said, and he could say that because he was more simplistic than the Apostle Paul, and he could say there's some things hard that Paul wrote are hard to be understood, but nonetheless we need to study to understand these things. Study to show yourself what an approved workman, that your spiritual diet might be right. <clears throat> Have you in your home got commentaries? Good, solid, doctrinally sound commentaries. Do you get magazines for your youth, your, your teenagers and that, to read that are good and godly and will direct them on the right path? I remember once I was going down, down to um, work in Emerald and I took a box of videos from Creation Science and uh, you know, the, the, we've watched them and took them down there. And a young fellow, Ross, down there, the youngest of the family, he got a he got a hold of them. And he watched the I didn't know he watched the whole bang lot of them, <laughs> and it helped him give a get a perspective that he hadn't seen before. And that's encouraging that someone would have an appetite. You know, look at it and wow, <laughs> this is something to to help me grow and learn and to face the uni lecturers <laughs> with on that. Yes, what are you eating? Are you eating the sound biblical things? Things hard to be understood, but yes, they can be understood. Provide for your people. I remember in the home, we were only 12 when we were learning to read and write and all that, and we had uh, The Sword of the Lord by John Rice. I don't know that it's put out anymore. It was a black and white magazine, and then Biblical Fundamentalists in Australia replaced that for Aussies. Uh, from from Brisbane, uh, Sid Hunter printed that, and these and a lot of the articles in that were from Sword of the Lord, anyway, and it, it helped us to grow, helped me to grow as I studied and read these books. You know, I'd get a book and and start looking at it and reading it through and through, and then 
I wouldn't hardly get anywhere because I was comparing scripture with scripture. Young people, you can do it. <laughs> Be encouraged to do that. And parents provide them with the materials. Um, <clears throat> another thing that ought to govern our appetite is not offending our brother. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, what we eat, we need to spiritually eat or physically eat, we need not to offend our brother with what we eat. You can offend this pastor here if you're eating evangelical, spiritual junk food. There's a lot of it around. It's all over the world. Liberals. And, you know, folks, remember this. People change. Preachers change. They change their doctrine. Be careful. You know, they might have been good early. They've gone off at the end. They've done a Jehoshaphat, a king of the Old Testament there. The doctor says, you are what you eat. And the preacher says... Amen, <laughs> in spiritual things. If you hit, fill your head with what secular society at school or uni or in the media teach you, you will be a carnal Christian. I'm not saying don't, don't go to those places and study, but you need to understand what you believe before you go. How many young people have gone off to uni from home and they've gone and lived there and they've come home complete apostatized, completely apostatized. They've, they've lost the faith. They've walked away. Why? Because they were fed the line from the teachers. And the professor said, you need to challenge the professor, not believe what the professor said. They're only, they're only natural men that don't understand spiritual things. Education, yes, but enlightenment by the Spirit, no. Not in those places. And those that go there and are influenced, they don't even know often their influence can be in the church and can affect their thinking and can affect and cause problems in the church by their very behaviour and by their thinking of what's right and wrong. And we've seen that many a time. So the appetite. We've got to get through the other three. <laughs> the attitudes. The attitudes. Notice in verse 3 of First Corinthians 3. Ye are yet carnal, for as there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? And so we see here the marks of maturity and immaturity you're seen in one's attitudes. How he gets along with others. It reminded me of the dodo. You've heard of the dodo, haven't you? It was a, a native of Mauritius. Um, <clears throat> it was a flightless bird, a very stout Body, you know, like like a bodybuilder. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he had a stunty wings; he couldn't fly. He had a large head and a hooked bill. That reminds me of some professing Christians, dodos. <laughs> or are you an eagle, soaring to great heights, spiritually speaking? It depends on one's attitude. I was preaching once here many years ago and we had an ex-Air um, Force man. He flew the jets, the jets. And I said the, I've made this comment. Attitudes determine altitudes. And he's sitting where Brother Bassett is there. He, he, he sat up like that and that's what he had learnt in the Air Force. <laughs> Attitude determines altitude, and you set the plane on a certain attitude, and it'll determine the altitude you get to in the fighter jet. And I thought that was interesting. And your attitude, and my attitude as Christians, will determine the altitudes to which we soar as spiritual eagles. Or will we be a dodo stuck to the ground and not soaring to the heights as God wants us to? The mature Christian practices love. He seeks to get along with others without compromising, of course. Let's go to James chapter 3. One's attitude and verse 13 to 18, where we read James three thirteen. 
Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom, a good manner of life by that which he knows to be right from the Bible. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Where is this sort of behavior come from? Where does this attitude come from? This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is what? Earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife are, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that's from above, this is talking of the spiritual person, not the carnal believing person. This is the spiritual minded one. He's got wisdom from above, it's pure. Peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by them that make peace. You see, in the Corinthian church, there was divisions everywhere. All sorts of divisions. They were carnal Christians. It wasn't that which verse 17 speaks about. It wasn't the fruit of righteousness being sown in them. It was the fruit of the flesh. You know, little children like to disagree. They like to fuss. They like to fight. They feud until they get older. I hope they all get and grow up. But they do that and that's a parent's responsibility to sort these situations out. You know, in our society they say you don't discipline your children. And the Bible says you do. Who are you going to believe? <laughs> I remember we're going up to Queensland and it's going to take us, was it three and a half days, 1,000 kilometres a day. We're in a van. And I said, now you're in the back. We're doing 1,000 kilometres a day. It's going to be 12 hours in the car. Don't gripe. Don't want to hear it. We had to stop a few times. Get a switch. It wasn't a power switch either. <laughs> and deal with the problem. <laughs> I'm poor kids, I think, back a thousand kilometres as a child. But one's attitude has to be brought into line with what God wants. It's not going to be that feuding and fussing and biting and quarrelling with each other. And so it escalates within the car, within the house. When immature Christians without spiritual discernment get into places of leadership in the church, the result will be disastrous. One's, one who talks big and lives small is a carnal Christian. The attractions. The third mark of a mature or an immature believer is seen in his attractions. And down or back there in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 4, For while one saith, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Are ye not carnal? Now, I... I'm taking a bit of liberty here to move it from people that were preachers as given in verse 4 and 5 to things that we are attracted to. Here these people were attracted, well, you know, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Christ. <clears throat> and they could say, I'm, we're more spiritual bunch than you. And so they had this carnal division amongst them. <clears throat> Who do we set up on a pedestal? Who do we idolise? Children often identify with heroes, whether they be sports heroes or Hollywood heroes, film heroes, you know, the financial heroes. What were the Corinthians saying? Like little children on the playground, my leader is better than your leader. Or of our house, we could say we've got bigger and better things in our house than yours. Who or what attracts your eyes? Who do you, who are you attracted to? <laughs> we could be attracted to money. I remember once a person had done a job and got cash payment. And in a big lounge room, dining room, a big floor... They spread it all out and laid it in notes. And the whole floor was covered with notes. You know, wow. 
<laughs> Somebody might walk in, wow, money. I don't know that they were following money, but others that were looking on might have thought so. They have an attraction to that. And that's around today, isn't it? You've got millionaires, you've got billionaires. I don't think we've got any trillionaires. But remember when one time a millionaire was, wow, you know? But they're everywhere. They're a dime a dozen now. We're not even near it, are we? <laughs> and then you've got billionaires. All those billions of dollars. They're the ones that are pulling the strings on all that's happening in the world in the last year. They're having their way. Watch out. Watch out. They don't like people knowing that, but they've got a plan for this world. They want it to be their little garden and all of us little serfs are serving them. But we could see the hand of the old devil in that. But what are you attracted to? Money? Movie stars. I heard someone died last night who was an interviewer or something. And they were going on explaining his life. And they said he'd been married eight times. I said, what? Eight times? He's got a problem with getting on with people. (laughs) Well, with his, with, I think they were wives. I'm not sure. But, you know, people were in Abin and they were building him up on the news. I thought, what? Why build someone up who has made such a mess of life? Oh, no, he didn't make a mess of life. He was able to interview all the presidents and prime ministers and of whatever country. Ah, let's not put him on a pedestal. <clears throat> if we could come, if we could bring him back, we can't, but, and have him stand here, you know what? He'd have a total different story now. He's only been there a few hours, and it'd be a totally different story. <laughs> he would be warning people not to go down that pathway. Movie stars, money, motor cars, motor cars. <laughs> you're attracted by motor cars. It's usually the lads that get involved in that, isn't it? And waste all their money on things that, you know, make a loud noise. Why do young people like a machine that makes a loud noise? I don't get that. But we did it, didn't we? Most of us did it. (laughs) You take the exhaust pipe off and just come straight out of the manifold. And we called them as t- teenagers those Chev um, Biscaynes and things of that nature, those great big yank tanks. And we had them <laughs> on the farm there, old, old ones. And we'd take that off and we called them blue flame motors because the blue flame would come right out of the exhaust pipe like a, a flame on a gas heater. And noise. That's probably why I can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> but why do people get attracted by that? You know, when the fella next door at 5.30 in the morning revs his car just to warm it up and it's got a loud noise, he's waking everybody up in the street and I'm going to put a note on his window screen if he kept doing it, but he's moved, he's not there. But, you know, people are attracted. What are you attracted to? I've got another one. They're all M's. Models. Ladies, be careful of the image you want from the models you look at. They're unsafe people modelling to attract the opposite sex in the wrong way. Don't follow their model. The music. People get attracted and hooked in that and they can't seem to get unhooked. The mansions, the buildings, these things. Or are we we attracted to worthy is the lamb, the master? (laughs) That's who it's most important to be attracted to. And these people in Corinth were carnal and that were attracted, yes, to spiritual leaders, but we have all sorts of attractions today we can be distracted by as we are attracted to them. And we've been distracted from the master to these earthly things that are going to fade away. His abilities, the one we have here. This is not in... 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This comes up in chapter uh, 11, uh, chapter 12 and to, through to 14 of 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> the fourth mark of a mature or immature believer is seen in his abilities. 
how he uses his abilities or abuses them. And Paul addressed that later in these chapters, in the next, the following chapters. <clears throat> at, at present, we will say a mature Christian uses his gifts as tools to build with, not as toys to play with. And the Corinthians were using their abilities as toys to play with, they were immature. Not trophies to boast about, but talents to serve with. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to 16, explains how each member of the body, you know, pastors, teachers, evangelists, are given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, to build up the church of the Lord. This is what our abilities, that's the mature Christian will use his abilities to do so. But what were the Corinthians using their abilities for? They were using their abilities to draw attention to themselves and to boast about what they had, when all the time, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and uh, other references, it's God that gave them anyway. Why boast about it? <laughs> Use them to glorify Him, is what we ought to be doing. Many of these Corinthians enjoyed showing off their gifts, but they were not interested in serving others. You know what? I had this thought this morning as I was re reviewing this. And I thought, <clears throat> we used to have a campsite. And I think I can trace it back to the carnality of Christians is why we don't have it. Because way back there at Murrindindi, when we had a work and be, we had a work and be. We had hundreds of people come and serve. They were crawling all over the building to put it up. We bought Murrindindi and we built a chapel just like we'd done at them. It, uh, we bought Crystal Creek and we sold Murrindindi and we are building the chapel there. And we had two teams of people, about 15. That was good, but nothing like it was 20 years earlier. And as we progressed, you know what we did? We had to hire and pay for tradespeople to come and do the work from among the churches. And slowly but surely we went into such debt that we had to sell the place. You know what it comes back to? People were using their abilities not to serve voluntary, free will, choosing to do it without a charge, but they, they wanted to be paid for their, what they did for the, for the Lord's work. That's why we haven't got a campsite. And it's going to be to the detriment of your children that we don't have that. Are you willing to serve? You know, I can say honestly before the Lord for 40 something years at the camp, I never took a dime. That's American. I never took a cent. <laughs> never took a cent from, the from that. Everything I bought with Visa, I had a receipt and it was paid back by the camp that that was an expense for them. But didn't charge them. But then when I heard, and I didn't know what was happening, the administrators were hiring Christians were coming and doing things. I thought, this is great. They're getting back into it. Then I found out they were being paid tradies rates. And I was, that's it. I'm pulling out of here. And I didn't say that to the camp board, but that's it. <laughs> I've had enough. It's sad, you know, when people don't use their abilities that they have but for themselves and to build their little empire, to build their little nest egg. And, you know, one day we're going to be ashamed as we stand before the Lord. On Judgment Day, we would wish we had served the Lord with what he gave us instead of serving ourselves. Because it tells us just across the page, and Paul brings this up in the context of what we're looking at here. And he said in verse 14 of chapter 3, If any man's work abide which he hath built upon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned up, he shall suffer loss, yet he himself shall be saved yet as by fire. He, he, he scrapes into heaven by the skin of his teeth. He's there by fire. He hasn't served, he hasn't ministered, he hasn't used his talents. He's a carnal Christian, he's lived all his life like that. And he gets into heaven yet as by fire. And you know, those people will wish they could change it, but they can't. You're in heaven. No more time to serve. It's to the opportunity's gone. I pray that... You will, if you're that way minded, stop using your abilities for yourself and start using to glorify God who made you and gave you what you've got. And you know what? 
the church could not contain if everybody did that the the things that could be done in this in this place a sermon i've got brewing it's sort of getting penciled in on one sheet of paper is have you robbed god <laughs> and this is one way we can rob him by not using what he gave us for his glory and one day he will say it's due can you pay me <laughs> that'll be on the beamer seat judgment let's mature let's grow up we haven't got time for the last point <clears throat> the ascent to carnality it's more decent but because he, they're sitting in the seat of carnality as they've ascended as it were how sad it is to see people who are old Christians but immature. They fly off the handle. They can't control themselves. They bring havoc in churches and dissension and division. It's in the book of Corinthians. They were doing it. God forbid that any of you ever do that, that you, you, can, be, you can be accused of causing a problem within the fellowship. Don't go there. God's looking on. And he knows your motive and your reason for what you do. Let's grow up as Christians. Let's be what God wants us to be. And glorify his name. Because one day it'll be worth it all. When we get there and he'll say, well done. This is from the creator of the universe. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And for the guy that scrapes in by the skin of his teeth or the person, <sighs> he walks away as a were with his tail between his legs, realising it's too late, I can't change anything. Let's grow. The, praise the Lord, the Corinthians started growing. There is room for change, isn't there? There's always opportunity to get moving in our Christian life. <clears throat> Let's be, not be like these. Let's be what God wants us to be. Our appetite, our attitudes, our attractions and our abilities. Show us if we're mature or immature. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Bless each one that's been in attendance today. And Lord, we could get upset and angry about today's study and sermon. But Lord, it is the word of God and we need to grow up. As children, we need to stop eating blowflies spiritually speaking and start eating the good word of God that grows us uh, meditating on the scriptures and growing in them bless each one with that attitude and the aptitude and the willingness to do what you want in their lives and may they bring you glory forevermore as they commit themselves to your work thank you for the people that are committed and dedicated and in there with both hands and feet and doing your work. Bless them abundantly, Lord, in now and in, in eternity, as you have promised to do. And may we all become that way, and may we set examples for others to follow. We ask and pray that your children would be what you want them to be, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.